Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Gun Show podcast. You know, that show that has zero script, has a lot of fun, and we're doing everything we can to bring uh, manufacturing and engineering to light. We want to do something that allows the awareness of, for people out there to go, man, I am so proud of that person that built that airplane. Not just the one that fly it, although we should be proud of them too. I take a lot of flights and I'm definitely grateful when they do a good job. However, even if they did a good job and somebody built it wrong, we'd all be in trouble. So thank you to the engineers out there as well. Uh, that is the quick summary of the gun show. You know, we're bringing artificial intelligence to life. We're bringing the faces and the sounds and the noises of the people who kind of create the world around us other than the air and the people, right? So the engineering manufacturing world is a unique and fun place that we want to do everything we can to create that awareness. So Today, I have the great pleasure to be with my friend, Megan Zemba. And Megan is the host of Mavens of Manufacturing, which I think is pretty cool. We're going to learn a little bit more about that today. And she has a master's degree in English, professional and technical writing. This is The Gun Show. So, Megan, thank you so much for being a part of The Gun Show. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Oh. Always, always a pleasure, Megan. Thank you so much. So let's start with who you are, where you came from, how you got into the field that you're in now, and we're going to just all learn about how amazing you are. Yeah, so I'm Megan Zimba, and I'm actually from the Midwest. Um, I was born in New York, and my dad got a job at a company called Fairbanks Moors, which makes really large submarine engines. So we ended up moving to Wisconsin when I was like three years old and I've been in the Midwest ever since. Um, I live right now in Illinois. So go Chicago Cubs, love <laughs> the Cubs, love the Blackhawks. And um, I kind of fell into manufacturing by accident. I uh, started my college career out at the University of Minnesota and um, almost failed out twice. I was on academic probation because I really didn't know what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And then um, at 19, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter and realized that I was going to be a single mom. And so I was like, okay, I have to really get my stuff together and figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life so that I can be a great role model for her and not have her fall down the same pathway that I was going and um, moved back to Wisconsin and enrolled at the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee and decided that I was really good at writing and telling stories. Um, the creative writing doesn't really make a ton of money unless you're really good at it. And I knew that I didn't have the skill set to do like a Harry Potter book or Lord of the Rings <laughs> book. So um, met one of the professors who was teaching graphic design and professional and technical writing and was kind of interested in what that theory was all about and how you can create um, materials that are really technical, but have them be able to instruct someone else what to do simply by just providing them a step-by-step -step, um, instruction. And I thought it was really interesting because one of our exercises was okay, tell me how to make a peanut butter sandwich. And we had to follow the steps verbatim 
And sometimes the peanut butter wasn't on the sandwich. It was on the table. Sometimes the peanut butter didn't even get open. Like it was just really interesting how written language gets translated in different ways by different people. So got my bachelor's and master's in professional and technical writing and ended up at a publication company in Madison, Wisconsin for engineering and design. They asked me right away what my engineering experience was. And I was like, I'm not an engineer. I'm a writer. I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, oh, that's fine. And I was like, this is a really weird interview. I don't even know if I'm in the right spot. But they ended up having me edit a bunch of product releases and press releases um, the first six months that I was there. And then they were like, okay, we think you can do interviews now and start creating your own stories. And it just opened up this whole new world to me about manufacturing. Like I knew manufacturing existed, but I never had those, you know, heart to heart conversations with my dad about what he really did. Um, And so I just learned about, you know, how products are designed from concept to finish. And I got to hear and see the passion on the engineers and the manufacturers faces about what they were making and how it produced value to their customers. And I got hooked right away. And one of the things that I learned throughout that journey is that engineers are really terrible at communicating what they're doing. Um, They're literally either too direct, where it's all this technical information that no one really understands, or they're really kind of antisocial, and they don't understand why anyone would care what they're doing. So it was a lot of fun for me because I did deal with a lot of difficult personalities, but to be able to crack crack that hard shell and see their softer sides and understand where their passion came from, um, I just fell in love with writing for manufacturing. So I was there for about like seven years. And then I was like, hmm, I wonder if I can try a different sector or industry. So I went into higher education. Biggest mistake of my life. It was so boring. It, was not for me. It wasn't as fast paced and it was so linear. Um, So I ended up leaving that opportunity and then decided to do more marketing things for manufacturers. So I worked with a bearing company that produced um, small bearings and a lot of uh, assemblies for mechatronics. And then I got involved with additive manufacturing. And then from there, I uh, became part of a team that turned into a marketing agency. And then now I'm at a company called PhotoFab in Chicago, Illinois, and they're a photochemical etching company. And they make a lot of small parts for aerospace, telecommunications, medical and defense. And how they create these parts is through acid etching. And it's a really just cool fabrication process because it involves chemicals and sheets of metal and that's it. And um, the tolerances are really high tolerances, really high quality materials, and all these small components go into a lot of things that we know today, like, you know, some of the spaceships that are going to Mars, the the rover that's up there, the helicopter, like we create some of those parts that help build those bigger parts. Um, But one of the things that is missing was I wasn't allowed to like do different interviews and talk to different people. And I was really missing that storytelling aspect. Like I tell PhotoFab story and I love it, but I love just learning from a variety of different people. And during COVID, um, I had some time on my hands 
working remotely and with my daughter graduating next year and hearing some of the conversations that she's having with her friends, nothing about manufacturing or engineering was coming up. And I was like, kind of wondering why. And with some of the groups that I've been involved with, um, I'm involved with the women in manufacturing. And then there's another local group called women of today's manufacturing, you know, the conversation of, um, you know, manufacturers are having a really hard time finding skilled talent and retaining skilled talent. And then there's also that issue where women aren't coming up a lot in the industry right now. I think we're only representing like 30%, according to Deloitte's study. And I've always was like wondering why. So I decided at the start of COVID, like back in December, um, maybe I should do this mavens of manufacturing. And I was sitting down with one of my friends. And I was telling him about it. And he was like, that's a really cool idea. You should just do it. Why aren't you doing it now? And I'm like, because I'm not prepared for it. I don't have like a website. I don't know anything about video. I don't know even how to start a podcast. Like, And he just kind of told me that I was being ridiculous. And he's like, all these things are simple. You're smart enough to that you can learn them right away. Don't worry about the website right now. Just make an announcement. See what kind of feedback you get. So I made an announcement and I think I had like 20 people contact me right away and said, Hey, you should talk to this girl or, Hey, I have a story to tell. So, um, yeah, I started Mavens of Manufacturing and been doing it every Friday, unless it's on a holiday weekend and just meeting a lot of interesting women in the industry and hearing their stories and really just trying to show the fun side of manufacturing specifically to women and trying to recruit younger generations to the sector and help close not just the skills gap, but the gender gap that's going on as well, too. Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions, especially for women who want to be involved. Um, they think it's this dark, dirty, dull, dangerous place, or they think there's no opportunities for them to move up the ladder, or there isn't opportunities if they're moms to do both. And I'm kind of proof that you, all of that happens in the stories that I'm sharing, the, the women that I'm talking to, they're showing that, yeah, you can be a mom. You can have a ton of things on your plate. You can move up the ladder. Um, you can start out as a receptionist and then work your way up and actually own a manufacturing company and you can do great things and provide value. So it's, it's been going well and I'm booked out all the way up until August right now. And I'm still booking shows and really excited and um, making plans to do bigger things with it and learning how to do podcasts and recording and all that other stuff and, and improving my skill set. So it's been, it's been fun. That is all incredible. And so many places <laughs> I wanted to interrupt and be like, Oh yeah, me too. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's fantastic. But <laughs> You, you can't you can't slow someone down or on a roll like you just did. There's no way. Um, but if you don't mind, I'd like to start back toward the beginning of your story. We'll move back through this again. Um, yeah, sure. where, where, where I can empathize with you um, with that grade stuff in college. I got kicked out of a couple of them uh, for that same reason. <laughs> I couldn't sit in the classroom. You mentioned having a child at a young age. I did, too. Um, I think that child saved my life and pushed me in the right direction. Do you do you feel the same? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was in a dark place for a long time. I was one of those kids that 
didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I think some of the same kids are going through the stuff today too. Cause I recently just had a conversation with my daughter. She and her friends were all talking about what college they were going to, what for your college. And I wasn't ready for that. And that was all that my mom knew. Like, she was like, no, I have to push my kids to do university education. They have to go through this four-year program. And I just don't think that's the best route for everyone. And I continually tell my daughter, like, if you're not ready to go to school, don't travel. You're young. You're going to be 18 by the time you graduate get a couple part-time jobs um, and travel, get outside of the country, learn about different people, learn about different cultures, ethnicities, learn as much as you possibly can to see what your passion is and where you fit within the rest of the world. Um, Cause I feel like at that time I kind of got forced into a decision that I wasn't ready to make. And so I ended up making stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision. <laughs> so then when I got pregnant with my daughter, I was like, crap, I'm an adult. I gotta, I gotta work this. I gotta work this out. I gotta be a better human being. So she definitely saved my life and she's such a great human being and I'm so proud of her and I'm not ready for her to be a senior and ready to go out in the real world, but I'm, I'm really proud of her for all that she does. Oh, uh, well, you're my hero with the advice you gave as well. That was, <clears throat> that was some really good advice in my opinion, uh, yeah. coming from a very similar, you know, perspective as you. Um, something else that I really value about you is, is the voice that you have for women in manufacturing and that you're willing to share that voice with anyone who's interested in listening, including, you know, people like myself. When I first mentioned, hey, I want to do this podcast with, you know, moms for manufacturing, you were the first person to reach out. So let's talk a little bit about, um, what it was like as you started to slide into manufacturing as a woman, uh, the, either, either the simplicity or the acceptance or the difficulty and the judgment, whatever, whatever perspective you had from it and what it's been like working in a mostly male dominated industry. And perhaps, you know, a little bit of advice for those women out there who could do really well here, but haven't really thought about it too much. Um, it's definitely been a roller coaster. Um, when I first started out at the trade publication that I worked for, one of the things that we did on a consistent basis was go to different trade shows um, throughout different areas in the United States. And then we also went to Electronica in Munich, Germany, which was a blast. It was the first time I've ever been out of the country. But I just remember <laughs> verbatim before walking into that first trade show, my boss was like, okay, I'm just going to warn you. And I'm like, huh? And he's like, <laughs> you're going to get some looks. You're going to get stared at. And you might even get some negative comments. Just please remember to keep your professionalism. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I was just like, Where are we going? like are we going into a, a fight club match that I didn't know about? Like, what's going on? So immediately as we go in there, the first gentleman that we talked about was looking at everything but my face. And I was like, oh, this is what he's talking about. And then um, I got a comment like, oh, are you here as a booth bunny? Like, what are you doing here? Are you here to work a booth? And I got passed at. And I was just like, 
wow, this is, this is amazing. I, I was completely blown away and I'm usually generally a quick witted person and I can shoot stuff back, but I was just like, nope, nope, we're not going to do that here because I didn't want to step out of bounds and get fired the next day. Like I liked my job and I wanted to keep it. So instead I wrote an article, um, it was called I'm woman. Why should I roar? Um, and I was just trying to play off that old saying, Hey, I'm a woman, hear me more kind of thing where I was like, okay, we're getting close to the two thousands. Why do I need to roar or like express my feminism? Why can't I just be a regular person and be here on the same professional level as you? Why is this still an issue? And some of the comments that I got back from that article really blew me away. Um, some were really supportive. Um, some men were just like, you know, you're not going to look gorgeous all the time. You should just appreciate the fact that you're beautiful now and that your looks aren't going to last. And you should take this as a compliment. And I was just like, that's okay. This is cool. Like I'm really starting to see what my boss was saying. So I, I kind of just put on a thicker skin and learned how to joke back and um, learned professional ways of saying, hey, this that's a boundary, don't cross it. Um, and it really helped improve my skills of patience and understanding, which I'm grateful for. Um, there were a couple instances, though, where I was just like, you know, enough is enough. Like, you're being a jerk. You need to stop. Like, this is unprofessional. Just be a better person. And um, I remember, too, I got pulled to a side by one of my um, editors and they were like, you know, we got a complaint. And I'm like, a complaint about what? And they started describing an instance that I was at for a trade show. I was there to get an interview. Um, yes, I knew that people were looking at me and making comments underneath their breath. I chose to ignore it because that was not what I was there for. I was there to talk to one specific gentleman, get a couple pictures, get a few interview questions done and over with, and then I was going to leave. And one of my coworkers said something about how I was oblivious to the comments or the looks or whatever. And I told my editor, I was like, what did you want me to do in that situation? Did you want me to throw a tantrum? say some snarky remarks. I'm like, I don't know how else to act, but as a professional woman in a work environment, as like, I can put a paper bag over my head and wear a t-shirt and sweatpants next time, if that's going to help. I'm like, but I just, I, I feel like we're losing focus on why I was there. And I was like, I just think this is ridiculous. And come to find out the reason why there was a complaint is because the, the coworker that I was with, she, she was used to always getting the attention. So she made it like this competitive environment. So she was trying to get me in trouble. And I was just like, this is ridiculous because they actually sent a picture of what I was wearing that day to our HR department. And I was like, I was wearing a three piece suit. How is this <laughs> inappropriate? I don't, I don't get it. So from there too, like I've worked in manufacturing companies where it's mostly been men in the leadership and just some of the comments and things that I hear, it's, you know, it's that typical quote unquote locker room talk, whatever. 
Um, and some of that's just never going to change, which is unfortunate, but I, I, I think it's getting better. There are companies out there and there are people out there that really just want to make good products and help people out with whatever problems they're having. So yeah, it, it can be difficult and frustrating at some times, but for me, I've always tried to remain focused on the positive because the only time, the only way we're going to move forward as a community, I think, is just remaining positive and doing better things, being a better person every single day. So I try to just ignore that noise. Um, if, you know, if it's just locker room talk and just keep my professionalism. And if it gets to a point where it's unbearable, there's other opportunities out there that, you know, are going to fit. I mean, manufacturing is always looking for skilled talent. That's one of the challenges that it's facing right now. So I know there's opportunities out there. So if an environment gets too toxic, there's an opportunity to find a better one, you know, and just move forward. Um, I think just maintaining, like just focusing on the negative that's out there, it's not going to help any of us move forward. So you definitely need thick skin. Um, I'm not saying for women to get rid of their emotional side, because I think we tend to be a little bit more emotional, but I think that's what makes us unique. And I think that's what makes us who we are. Um, but there are women out there that aren't emotional and there are women that have thicker skin than I do. Um, but I think if you just focus on what the end goal is and how you're providing value to your audience, then that's all that matters. And just keep being who you are, keep a smile on your face, keep being positive and just keep going. Um, there's so many opportunities out there and you meet so many fantastic people that are doing really cool things. Like we're, we're talking about stuff that we watched in movies a long time ago, like back to the future with the hoverboards and stuff. And Star Wars with lightsabers and like we're getting close to all of that becoming a reality and it's just awesome and letting those people that are you know insecure to the point where they need to try to make you feel less than what you are it's not worth it so my advice is just to keep going and if one environment gets too toxic where you think you can't use your voice appropriately there's so many more opportunities out there that's looking for skilled talent. Just go for it and just say, bye. Thank you very much. And then move on to the next opportunity. <laughs> you, you, the way you describe things, it's obvious that you're a writer as well um, because the way you describe all of this story, I have again, just so many thoughts flying through my head. My wheels are turning just constantly. Um, you talked about lightsabers, which is the nerd in me as well. I was just over at a mega TMM um, and we, they were showing me the measurements of light. And I'm like, hey, guys, have you invented a lightsaber yet? And they very, looked at me very seriously as if that was already been done or like in their garage or it's really about to happen. So, yes, cool stuff like that is happening all the time. But while you were telling your story, um, I tried to place myself in, in your shoes, which it's somewhat difficult to do. So I just tried to reverse the roles in general and just say, okay, well, if I'm in a, a female dominated industry and, you know, I'm going through and I'm being judged for certain things the whole time. And I'm told one day you're not going to be as attractive as you are now. Take it as a compliment. And um, 
And then the the guy that I'm working with, the only other guy, you know, in the in my surrounding circles trying to get me in trouble, I would I would have probably thrown a fit. You know, I think you did well to convey a message that you that you wanted to convey there. Um, but based on that whole story, uh, because I, I know that if roles were reversed and I happen to be in a situation similar to that, um, I, I would probably do the same as you in the sense of grow thick skin, figure out how to make it work until it becomes too toxic, toxic, in which case, you know, find something else. Um, but I, I think, and maybe this is rhetorical, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, is that what is the first like major hurdle to getting more women into manufacturing? Is it, is it that type of story or is it something else? No, I think it depends on the individual. Um, for me, I've heard a ton of different stories of why certain women don't want to enter the sector or they do enter the sector and then they end up leaving. Um, some think that there's just no room for growth opportunities. Um, others are really struggling to try to find that family life balance um, because they're, they're moms and they have kids at home and it is hard. Like I, I, that's something that I'm still struggling with today where I, you know, I go to work and then I have to come home and pay attention to my kids and, you know, be the mom. And with my husband working night shift, it makes it even harder because, you know, sometimes he's off doing what he needs to do. And so I have to be up from like 3.30 in the morning sometimes all the way up to 10.30 at night because that's just how the schedule works out. Um, I think the misconceptions of, you know, manufacturing being dirty, dark, and dull um, still exists in the minds of some people. So it's not as attractive. And I also think like for me, I've never been really good at math. I hate numbers. I still use my fingers to add things up because it just doesn't click in my brain. And science was always something that was interesting to me, but I never excelled at like the formulations and things that we had to do in chemistry or whatever. It, it just never really excited me enough to like spend that much time trying to figure things out. And I think that's one of the things too, where people are like, oh, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. So manufacturing is not the place for me. Um, where now there's opportunities to do like CNC programming for, you know, machines. There's also robotics that are getting involved, but there's also a ton of design opportunities too. So if you're not a mathematician or a scientist, that's completely fine. There's a lot of opportunities for design work and okay what materials for this product are going to make it the most robust while also making it light while also making it cost efficient how do we you know put that together in the most efficient way possible and then oh it's got to be put into an oven at like 350 degrees without getting destroyed or melted like there it's certain problem solving skills like that but there's also opportunities too um, within marketing, I, I know, a, a young lady, her name is Crystal. She's amazing at what she does. She does animations. And what is the one thing that grabs customers attention? Animations, moving parts. So how, how do you get 
you know, a customer to see how the inside of whatever product you are works, plus the outside. How do you show them all that, um, all the inner com- components in a successful way? And what she's doing is she's creating that on a computer where you can zoom in and out. And this is something that, you know, sales teams can use on their iPads and bring it to customers and be like, oh, you want to see everything on how this works? Here you go. And she did that all on her own on a computer. So, I mean, she is good at math, but <laughs> she's, she's better at design and she's doing fantastic things with design. So there's different opportunities. Um, I met a woman. She didn't think that she was part of manufacturing at all because she deals with textiles. So she deals with fabric. And I was like, that is manufacturing though. And she's like, no, she's like, we just do this, this, and this. And I'm like, no, that's manufacturing. You have to pick out which, so think of it this way. You're an astronaut. Okay. You need some pretty durable clothing, right? Or you're, you're a police officer or you're a firefighter or you're a nurse. That clothing came from a design conversation. What materials do we need to make this robust? Um, If you're a nurse, you don't want some of the fluids that you're dealing with seeping through your clothes because that's just a health hazard. And, you know, if you're a firefighter, you don't want your clothes melting off of you, right? So they're coming up with new ways to like create lighter design clothes. And even with some of the women that are entering those industries, you know, they don't want the clothes that men are wearing that are bulky and, you know, not comfortable to wear. So then, okay, now we got to form fit this to fit a woman's body or fit a woman's anatomy. So there's so many different things that people just don't realize that deal with manufacturing. And I think that's part of the problem. We have to start showing all of these amazing things that manufacturing is doing to grab the attention, not just of women, but of younger generations get them hooked and keep, you know, their gears turning and showing them, Hey, this is what's going on. Um, I spoke to one woman, she's actually going to be on Mavens in a couple of weeks and they make components that go into cameras. And one of her stories is, yeah, our components were in the camera that helped catch the Boston bombers, marathon bombers. And I'm like, that is fantastic. I would love to get involved with that. And it all starts with that story. And that's kind of where my role comes in as a writer. I help people share these stories. So I think it just depends on a person's situation and what their life experience is. Um, I don't think it's mostly because they feel like it's a male dominated industry because there's some amazing women out there already who are in leadership positions. Um, It definitely is a hurdle, but if you can just maintain your grit and just show up and use your voice, you can definitely get over that hurdle. So, I mean, some people, yeah, they don't, they don't want that negativity. So they'll, they'll probably never pursue it. And that's fine. It's not, I mean, everybody has their different flavors and different interests. So manufacturing is not going to be for everyone, but it's definitely a fun sector. And I think everyone should at least try it. And the negative things that are occurring, you know, just 
it, it's not what makes up the sector, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I I'm could listen to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was just getting ready to say, I could listen to you talk for hours. I really could. It's just so informative. And I, I enjoy listening to the words that come out of your mouth and the stories that you share. So I imagine our listeners are, are doing the same and want less of me and more of you. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I think you, na- so you went into a lot of stories about the industry itself. I like that you went into the fabrics and textiles. That's really cool. Um, but you started it with one of the obstacles being that there's this thought process that there's no growth. That was how you started that part of the conversation. And I, couldn't agree with you more. I think that the idea of engineering and manufacturing is a whole bunch of numbers with people and machines creating and whatever it might be. And most of the times it's unknown and that's it, right? But that's not it. Some of the most amazing salespeople in our industry right now are women. As you mentioned, several designers and marketers, of course, but also some of the best programmers and machinists that I know are women. So it's certainly not by any means, and this is definitely rhetorical, but by any means is it a lack of brain power. We know that. Women, all the women in my life are far smarter than I am. But I agree with you that, that there is a perspective of that limitation. And perhaps that limitation isn't uh, as exposed or maybe the marketing and other aspects of the work world showcase where there might be more opportunity and and what we do in our industry, we don't showcase it as well. But I can't, I honestly just see like a, a tree growing branches everywhere of all the opportunity that can happen within yeah. what we do. And there, I mean, there's studies out there that still show the discrepancies between um, men and women's pay. There's there's studies that show, still show that discrepancy. But that's one of the things that I least like to talk about is, um, salary ranges. It's like one of the very first questions an employer will ask you, what's your range? Well, no, this, this is your position that you're hiring me for. What is your range? Like, let, let's talk about this. Like you should already have an idea of what you want in your work environment. And, um, you know, I, I saw this, uh, interesting post on LinkedIn. This gentleman said the skills gap is a lie. I was like, okay, you caught my attention. And he was basically saying that um, what the issue is, is that companies aren't willing to invest in the good talent that does exist out there. And I was like, that's an interesting point. And he's like, if they, you know, if I offer a number, but they come at me with a different number because they know their skill set and they're talented and they're confident in it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to invest. Well, I lose sometimes. Sure. He's like, but so far I haven't lost. And he, he said he had to invest some money and, you know, he, he lost some of his investment, but because of their skill set and their confidence level, they were producing more than someone that didn't like their job, you know? So he was, he was getting a huge ROI on the other end of things because of the skilled talent that he invested in. It might've been a higher wage wage that he was, you know, maybe anticipating, but because it was the right talent and the right fit, and he was able to negotiate with them and work with them, it it all worked out in the end for everyone to win-win. And I think that's one of the things that people focus on where they shouldn't focus on, 
Like if someone comes with a number and then you want to refute that, that to me is like, well, you're not really ready then to invest in my skill set, you know? So why, why am I going to want to want to work with you? Um, Cause I had that happen to me where a, a gentleman was like, well, what's your range? And I'm like, well, what are you looking for? Like what, what skill set are you looking for? Because I don't know what, what your position is. Um, Cause they, they kind of approached me to recruit me, but they didn't know what they wanted to recruit me for. So then it was up to me to like provide this information. And I'm like, well, that's not what I want to do. Like, I want to know what I'm providing a range for. And if I don't know, then I'm not going to give you a range. Like that should be something you already know. So I think, I think companies need to change. And I'm not saying all companies, because there are companies that are really changing their work culture to be um, all inclusive, where everyone's involved in decision makings. But I think there's still some companies out there that need to, to work on what type of work environment they're providing their employees. Because if you don't have happy employees, you're not going to have a happy work environment and production is just not going to be where you want it. And you're going to lose out somewhere. So I don't, I don't know. It just seems that's like common sense to me. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That part, that part is common sense. Now the title of the article, I disagree with because I believe there is a massive skills gap that needs to be solved. However, the point of the article of what you described is absolutely true, which is yeah. Pay the people what they deserve. And Mm -hmm. if we can create a better work environment, then everyone's going to be happy. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is common sense. I'm with you. All, all the way. It's the reason why I think for the most part, places like Disney thrive, you know, they, uh, most of their people seem to be happy. Yeah. Um, I know we're talking a lot, but gosh, I love talking to you, Megan. Um, but before hey. we get off, I want to just dive right into Mavens of Manufacturing. I know that's something you're passionate about. I know it's something we should focus on for a few minutes and just, you know, share with this global audience a bit more about what that is and the passion behind it. And if you want some people to get involved with you, maybe give that a shout out as well. Yeah. So Mavens and Manufacturing is this idea that I had back in December, like I said, and I really just wanted to focus on all of the amazing women that are in the sector. And I really wanted to help share their stories because I think part of the issue of attracting younger generations and retaining their interest in the sector is the lack of storytelling. Okay, so we have these small components. Why should I care? Well, they went into the camera of the Boston, you know, that caught the Boston bombers. That's interesting. Okay, so then we have this medical device. Why should I care? Well, it's actually going to be something that we can implant and it will track someone's health. You know, it will make insulin cheaper or something like that. Like there's always an end goal for these products. And I don't think those stories are shared enough. And I think even less so when it comes to women's success stories in manufacturing and this, I'm not trying to um, take a low blow towards men in the sector um, because there's a lot of great minds out there and I appreciate it. But I was just looking at my LinkedIn feed the other day And there's all these amazing talks coming up, amazing conversations, amazing panelist discussions. There's no women on any of them. I think I saw maybe one out of the 25 that I looked up 
that had one woman on the panel and the rest were men. And I'm like, there's gotta be more women involved in this area of manufacturing. Why are they not being represented? And I just think there's so many interesting stories with women and they're just not getting shared. So I wanted to help with that part of it. And just being a mom as well, too, I like I have two boys that are um, two and three and they're curious about everything right now. And I think at a certain age, that curiosity kind of steers off because we're trying to raise these adults, these young adults to be, you know, um, standard citizens and, you know, do these things. And I think that kind of takes away from what they really want to do in life. So I want to just maintain that curiosity throughout and have them still ask questions and pursue things that excite them, even when they get into high school. Because in high school, I mean, it gets pretty serious sometimes. You have a, a counselor and they're like, okay, what, what are your skill sets? What are you excelling at? How good are your test grades? Like, stupid stuff like that, that I think shouldn't matter. And that's where they're gearing their career pathways. And I don't think that's the right approach. So I really want to get involved with organizations like the FMA and the TMA, um, WIM, and really figure out a way that we can get curriculum, not just at the high school level, but um, one woman that I talked to, her goal is K through 12. No, let's start at kindergarten and work our way up. And I think that's a fabulous idea because if we can maintain that curiosity and let kids know that it's okay to like break things in the name of discovery or mess things up in the name of discovery, we can get some really cool inventors and engineers and manufacturers. And they're going to know that it's okay that some mistakes lead to great successes and great inventions that really help all of us out. Um, so that's another thing. I just really want to like get kids excited and provide a representation of somebody that might look like them. And it's been proven, like if, you know, if you're in a group and you don't see anyone that's similar to you or looks like you, you're going to feel a little awkward at first. Right. And if you're one of those introverted type people, you might even leave that group to make yourself feel comfortable. So I just want to be able to show, hey, there are people that look like you in this sector and they, they're probably as nerdy or goofy as you are or, you know, have some weird quirks that are similar to you and just show that transparency and that authenticity and retain, attract people that way. So it's really just a fun conversation that I'm having with women at all different levels. I've talked to students. I talked to a 93-year-old um, the other day, her name was Dolly Marshall. She's an original Rosie the Riveter. Um, and I'm just trying to share that story of how women are doing amazing things in the sector. And I just, I just want to keep doing it because it's so much fun. And there's so many interesting stories out there. And I think women provide that unique perspective because we do. We think differently than men. You know, that's been proven. There's books about it. <laughs> and I think just bringing that together where we can all, you know, contribute something to the table is really going to excel our innovation and help U.S. manufacturing be a force to reckon with from the rest of the world. And I, I think that's fun and exciting. And a little competition 
helps innovation as well too. A little fun competition. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I I am looking for any woman, any girl. Um, I'm looking for students, you know, C level type positions, um, shop workers, marketers, any woman involved in the sector. If you have an interesting story to tell and you want to share it, please please do because I would more than likely have, I would more than love to have a conversation with you and share your story and mavens and just being a maven is fun. (laughs) I love it. I love it, Megan. So we're going to close this thing out soon, but gosh, I want to keep talking to you and never stop being long winded ever. Promise me you won't. I love it. There's so much, so much good info coming out of you. Uh, my it's in my blood, is, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> my question is, uh, even though you have a two and a three-year-old, when, when are you and I going to go on a, a national educational tour together and start preaching this content to both the guys and the girls for engineering in the middle schools and high schools and go, guys, look at what we're doing. Yes, I think you let's and I, do I think it. you and I would be a great team for that. Absolutely. Let's start doing it. I would definitely start planning with it. I actually just had a conversation with my husband because I was like, okay, so this is what my plan is. And I really want to do this. And it might require me traveling a lot. He is like, well, we have a couple options. I can come with you sometimes with the kids and why you go do your thing. We'll go do our thing. Or, you know, we stay home and you, you know, take spurts off here and there. He's like, but definitely knew it. He, he loves what I'm doing. He sees how it's exciting my daughter and also her friends and they're proud of me. So they're on board. They support it. 100%. My mom has no problem either watching my two toddlers. Um, they're all on board with it because they know that the message is important. Even my dad (laughs) who we did not really have a great relationship back in the day. But now that he sees what I'm doing with manufacturing, he's like, you know, you should do that. He's offering <laughs> suggestions and ideas and he's, he wants to be a part of it. The man's been retired for like five years and he's all like, I want to get back in, like tag me in, tag me in. So yeah, uh, let's start planning it. I would love, love to work with you. It'd be fun. Yeah, if we could tour the country, middle schools, high schools, and and focus on parents as well, and maybe have like a third sector at, at each uh, yeah. location, and say you know thirty minutes from you and five minutes from me, we could really convince these people. <laughs> this yeah. is an industry to be. I would have so much fun. I think we should do that. So we're just going to manifest that into the world by talking about it a little bit more on the podcast. Um, Megan, you are absolutely amazing and a joy and a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for sharing your story on the gun show. Um, guys, this is Megan. Uh, I mean, I can read through her specialties right now, which is going to be fun for me. Content marketing, inbound marketing, public relations, event coordination, community management, social media management, freelance, writing, brand storytelling, storytelling, manufacturing, marketing for manufacturing. Yeah, the list goes on and on. Megan is an amazing human being. Uh, Tune into what she's doing. And uh, Megan, thank you one more time for being a part of the MTD uh, presented show called The Gun Show. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it.